following podcast contains language and scenes that may be upsetting to some listeners. Listening discretion is advised. Miss Holmes, a novella by John Noonan. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Ms. Holmes podcast. I'm sorry I've been away for so long, but it's Christmas and then it was New Year and then my family were over and oh, it was all just a delightful thing. Anyway, let's move on. SH and John Watts are under the search of those ears. Well, not so much the ears, but who they belong to. Are they, they going to find out? Not in this episode because I, I don't want to give the game away, but it's all good. Enjoy! Chapter 6. Sarah. The pub in which Sarah worked, the Northumberland Arms, was only a 20-minute walk from Susan's house, and I used the time to ponder on what had just happened in there. I found it hard to link the SH I knew for most of my life with the one who was performing criminal acts for others. I'm not performing and they're not criminal acts, SH said in response to my thoughts. It's usually really simple things, well simple to me, you know? Like, there was a bookie once in Nottingham, and who would close his business for like five days. No word or nothing. Michael asked me to look into it, and I found the place being broken into, cleaned out. I managed to track the owner down to a motel, where he's copying out the Encyclopedia Britannica, first volume. Anyways, I talked to him, explained Michael isn't happy, and he starts telling me about this email he's got, telling him to come to a will reading. Some bloke he could only vaguely remember had left him a huge sum, six figures, which was his if he wrote out the Encyclopedia Britannica, I said coming to a stop. <laughs> yeah, SH giggled as we commenced walking. The pillock was so money-hungry, he didn't think anything odd about it, just booked himself into a room for privacy and got straight to work. Well, it didn't take me long to deduce that whoever set him up were also the same people that robbed his place while he was absent. Michael took the business off him, and he's a dish cleaner for a curry house now. As we continued our walk, SH continued to justify her absence, telling me how, even when she was in Manchester, she chose to avoid me. How could I possibly understand? How could I comprehend her shame and exhilaration at what she did for a living working for Michael? Whilst I agreed, I made it clear that I knew exactly why she did it. A loss of a mother, then a brother. You didn't have to be Columbo to understand that even SH would yearn for family. I told her that I would continue to help her, that this case was too much for one person. She would need help, and with Michael appearing to be least likely to make too much effort, I would be the next best thing. SH didn't argue. I reached out for her hand, and we walked like that, in silence, for the rest of our trundle. When we arrived at the arms, it may have only been a little after opening time, but the bar was already occupied by several men and women whose mornings weren't going to get any cheerier and had already begun their descent to the bottom of a bottle. Thirsty and impatient, they waved five-pound notes at a barman who was running between them under serious duress. We positioned ourselves at the empty end of the bar and waited for the crowd to dissipate. When the last person had wandered back to their table with a prized pint in hand, SH flashed a smile at the barman who sauntered over. All right, love, he said. What can I do for you? I'm going to see Sarah if she's in. Sarah? That makes two of us. And you are? I asked, trying my best to seem like interrogating people was my day-to-day occupation. What's with the town? Asked the man. He does that, replied SH, but it would be good to know who you are. Keep the landlord, Keep the landlord said. Look, who are you? Just an interested party. We're looking for Sarah on behalf of her sisters. Keep the landlord poured himself a shot of whiskey, which he immediately downed. He went on to explain that if we were looking for Sarah, then we weren't shit out of luck. She got a phone call during her shift early yesterday. Wherever it was, gets her in a full tizzy. Then this morning she doesn't turn up for work. 
called her myself and she mumbles something about needing to find herself. Says she's gone travelling, doesn't know when she'll be back. Realising we had reached a dead end, we ceased questioning. And after ordering two cokes, we sat outside the arms to smoke. As I lit my cigarette, the thought occurred to me that if Sarah was missing, what was to say then that one of the ears wasn't hers? <sighs> Neither of the ears are hers, exhaled SH. Stop doing that, I exclaimed. Well, you're obvious when you're thinking. Neither ear can be hers, as Keith the landlord said he spoke to this morning. Hard job to speak to someone when you don't have ears. Though you have touched upon something that's been crossing my mind. Really? Yeah. SH had become distant as if picking away through a fort. If it wasn't hers... SH appeared to go into a trance. She didn't even appear to blink. Then, as if nothing happened, she turned to me and smiled. Right, Watson, my old boy, we've done two sisters, let's go and find the third. SH made a call to Michael and, establishing that Tracy hadn't been in contact, she got the address to the third crushing sister. A taxi journeyed to Cholton later and we were stood outside an almost palatial red brick house that appeared to have been built exclusively to oppose Sarah's abode in Wivenshaw. Jesus, one sister did alright for herself, I commented as we walked up the driveway. Arriving on the doorstep, we noticed that the front door was open. After swapping glances of curiosity, SH made her way cautiously to the entrance. Hello? Tracy? SH chimed. Hello, is anyone in? The front door swung in and an undetermined shape flew out, pushing both me and SH to the ground. Winded, I stood up in time to see the back of what I determined to be a man disappear down the drive. I cried out for him to stop and, of course, he did no such thing. Realising that giving chase would be a terrible idea, I instead decided to help SH off the ground. What the hell was that? I asked as SH brushed the drive's gravel off her coat. That bloke, SH said, lighting a cigarette. There's a good chance we know exactly who that is. Come on, we need to go back to yours. Why? SH picked up her phone in the pink Hello Kitty case. Because we need somewhere for that bloke to come and pick this up. Who was the mysterious figure that knocked SH over? Why is the phone so important? Find out in the next episode of Ms. Holmes. The song you heard at the beginning and end of this podcast is Manchester, South Dakota by Happiness in Airplanes. If you liked what you heard today and want to skip ahead in the tale, you can do by buying a copy of the ebook, Miss Holmes, from Amazon, Smashwords, or iTunes. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at missholmesmcr at gmail.com. Tell me what you think of the podcast, what your favourite Sherlock Holmes pastiche is, and maybe just share some recipes. They're always nice. You can also follow me on Twitter at MissHolmesMCR. Thanks for listening. I hope we can do this again sometime. And remember, you're all beautiful.